All right, we're back. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Our uh, audio-visual people have been out sick for a while, so I didn't think about this thing that goes around my neck. A little mic, so I had to go get that because they're waving at me. <clears throat> so let's get started today <clears throat> with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today, Lord, just to thank you once again for this day, this beautiful day you've made for us, Lord. And, I ask you, Lord, just to take our, take our minds and our hearts and just slow them down and take every distraction away from us, Lord, that we may be able to open your word and just to look at the verses that you've given us, Lord, and that we can just break them down and understand the true meaning that you have for us in our lives, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, just to continue to be with us today, Lord. Just draw us close to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> All right, so this morning... We're going to continue talking about, we've been talking about walking with God and the aspects of that. And, and, and we're going to continue talking about walking or we're going to start talking about kind of walking in the spirit because that's an important thing. And it's kind of, a, kind of interesting that we're talking about walking in the spirit and, and, and that it's October. And there's another spirit that's very prevalent in the end of October. We all know about that. So we're going to talk a little bit about that to start off with so I can educate you a little bit. Um, because, you know, <clears throat> I don't know if you realize it, but all over my neighborhood, I know there's Halloween decorations everywhere. And uh, we know that they, the, the world spends as much on Halloween as they do Christmas now. And that's just sad. But I'm going to talk about a guy real quick. <clears throat> His name was Anton LaVey. You may know him. Yeah. Anton LaVey was the founder of the Satanic Church here in America. And he founded it on April 30th of 1966. Okay. And you're like, why is that important? Well, you, we know Satan is the spirit of this world. He's the God of this world. He controls this world, right? That's going on down here. Well, Mr. Anton LaVey, he, uh, like I said, he founded this church. He wrote lots of books about Satan. He even wrote the Satanic Bible. He wrote books on witchcraft and occult and spells and stuff. So he, he's probably, he's, I would say he's the authority on Satanism in this earth, right? He had a quote that I thought was pretty interesting. This is his quote. He said, I am glad, I'm glad that Christian parents, he's glad for Christian parents. So let's see what he's glad for. He says, I'm glad that Christian parents let their children worship the devil at least one night out of the year. What night do you think he's talking about? It's Halloween, guys. He said he's happy. It makes him joyful that Christians allow their children. And here's the key word. He said worship. He did not say participate. He did not say celebrate. He said worship. If you allow your children to have any part of Halloween, you are worshiping Satan. Point blank. If you play with the candy, you, you put on the costumes, you say, oh, it's just, you know, even it, it, some, I've even seen some Christians that, oh, well, I'm going to dress my children up as biblical characters. You're still doing worship to Satan. And we're going to have a, a, a lesson closer to Halloween about Halloween again, because I do that every year and you just have to live with it. But it's, I think it's very important because it, it, this is the most deadly, deadly thing you can ever do because you're opening your child's heart to Satan and just, just, you might as well just walk into to a satanic church and say, here's my child, do what you want to with them. Because that's exactly what you're doing on Halloween. Okay. And that's a spirit, right? We're talking about spirit. And we've been talking about a few weeks about spirit versus physical, right? 
That's very spiritual, but we worship him in physical if we do this on Halloween, okay? <clears throat> um, I mean, even I've even heard some Christians say, well, I'm going to hand out candy and tracts at the same time. You're still doing it, sorry. It's great to pass out tracts, but you're handing out the candy, and we'll get into that. But we're talking about walking in the Spirit. We're talking about walking in which Spirit? The Holy Spirit, right? God's Spirit, not the Spirit of Satan. So let's go to Romans 8. Four, Romans 8, verse 4. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, there's certain people in here that always get on me because I run too long. So now I've only got three pages of, of notes today. And I already heard, oh, only three pages? We can go back to eight pages. <clears throat> Romans 8, verse 4. The Bible says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And we're talking about walking after the Holy Spirit, right? <clears throat> so right there where it says that the righteousness of the law, that means the righteous requirement of the law, right? So Christians, we see right here in the very beginning, Christians are expected uh, not to walk in the flesh, but to walk in the spirit, and that's what we've been talking about. There's, there's, we're in a spiritual battle, but we're in a physical world. And we have to be able to differentiate that. It's not all physical. It's spiritual. There's more spiritual than we realize, but we don't see it, so we don't understand it. Just like I've said, I, my biggest thing coming to salvation was, how can I believe in a God I can't see? Because I was living in physical. I judge everything in physical, and we do that as humans. We judge everything in physical, but it's spiritual. Okay, let's go to Galatians. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. <clears throat> Galatians 5. And we're going to be back and forth between Galatians and Romans because you'll see in a little bit. It's, it's very important, these two books, uh, on what we're talking about. So Galatians chapter 5, and I'm going to read 16 uh, through 26. So just buckle up. The Bible says, This I say then... Walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Right there, we should know which spirit we're talking about. Because if you're walking in the, in the satanic spirit, you're going to be deep in the flesh, right? So walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if you be led in the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murder, drunkenness, revilings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is joy, I'm sorry, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. 
Now, there's a lot in those few verses. There is deep, deep. You could do a whole lesson on, you could do many lessons on just that. But what we're talking about, walking in the spirit. So all people, all people either walk in the spirit or they walk in the flesh. It's one or the other. Okay. You can't walk in both. It's completely impossible. I mean, that's what we saw. They war against each other. They fight against each other. They are, are complete opposites. Okay. <clears throat> and, and when you walk in the flesh, you cannot walk in the spirit. There's just, it's completely impossible. You cannot do that. Okay. And because they're such opposites. So walking in the flesh, we looked at, it says adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, and revilings. That's a lot. But that's all walking in the flesh. Every single one of those. And none of that, none of that has anything to do with walking in the spirit. But then it flips it. And the Bible says, but here's how you walk in the spirit. And the number one is love. And that's so important, love. Because Christ died for us because he loved us. God sent him to die for us because he loved us. And we've been talking about love for the last few weeks, right? That if you have Christ's love, you even love your enemies. Okay? So the number one right there is love. So you have love. If you have Christ's love, if you're a Christian, you will have Christ's love. And if you have that love, guess what else you're going to have? You're going to have joy. You're going to have peace. You're going to have long suffering. You're going to have gentleness. You're going to have goodness. You're going to have faith. You're going to have meekness. And you're going to have temperance. Now look at that list. It's a whole lot shorter than the list above it, right? But they're complete opposites. Okay? And if we look... Let's look at the book of Acts, chapter 15. Let's look there. Book of Acts, chapter 15. Not going to read the whole book, but if, I mean, the whole chapter. But if you read this whole chapter, you'll see what we're talking about. But if we look in this book of Acts, let's look at the first verse right there. Acts, chapter 15, verse 1. The Bible says, And certain men which came down from Judah taught the brethren and said, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. Okay, let's look at verse 5, because these go together. But there rose up, <coughs> up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that if you, it, it, that it, it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Okay, so what are we looking at? We're looking at, this is the early church. The church has just been birthed, right? It's just growing in Acts. And that's what we see, and we see what's, what's happening immediately. There's guys coming into the church saying, oh, oh, you don't have to, it's not just about belief on Jesus Christ that he died for your sins. You also have to be circumcised. So what are they doing? They're going back to the Old Testament law. We talked about this last week. They're trying to say you're still under the law. But we know Christ died. The law was fulfilled. Now we live in grace. And then, but they're saying, no, 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 no. You've got to be circumcised. And we see that this early church, this is very quickly, right? This church has just been birthed, but they're quickly, they're coming under the influence of these Judaizers and, and these people that come in who wanted to impose restrictions of the Old Testament law on the New Testament Christians. What are they trying to do? They're trying to live in the flesh. They're trying to impose the flesh on the spirit. They're trying to change the church immediately. 
Okay? Who do you think is behind that? Okay? Well, the entire book of Galatians, if we look at that, the entire book of Galatians was written to counter this threat to the early church. But let's, let's go ahead and read. I'm going to read 1 through 8 on chapter 15 here. And just look at this. Listen to this. And certain men which came down from Judah taught the brethren and said, Except ye be, of, be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. Uh, when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispensation with them, <clears throat> they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem into the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles. And they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders. And they declared all things that God had done with them. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, <clears throat> which believed, saying, that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and the elders came together for to consider this matter. And when there had, had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should appear, should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. Okay, so what are they doing? They're fighting against the Holy Ghost, right? They're fighting against salvation. It's just, you believe in Jesus Christ, you don't need to do works, you don't need to be circumcised, we're not under the law, and that's all the flesh. So we see that the church is immediately under attack. They're under attack and they're trying to push the flesh. They're trying to say, oh, we've well, got to do this. You've got to do that. You know, how many religions now believe that you've got to go out and do works? You know, you have to pass out a number of tracts or you have to be a good person. No, that's not what you need for salvation. Amen. You need the spirit. And if you're saved at the point of salvation, the Holy Spirit enters you. OK, and that's the threat of the whole. And now, like I said, the book of Galatians was written to counter this threat to the early church. And let's look at that. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And we'll start off in verse 4. <clears throat> the Bible says, Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, remember the law, ye are fallen from grace. So here we see what's Paul teaching. He, he, he's very clear what he's teaching, but he's teaching that if you seek to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. Because your faith is supposed to be in what? The saving blood of Jesus Christ. Not that you need to be circumcised, but they're trying to throw a, throw a hurdle in there, aren't they? They're trying to throw some doubt. And that's what, you know, you go to court and you have two attorneys fighting, right? You have that one that's going to try to throw a little bit of doubt. A little bit of doubt. What did Satan do with Adam and Eve? The very first couple, the very first marriage, he got up there and he threw doubt, didn't he? He said, did God really say that? He's throwing doubt. And that's exactly what he's doing here. He's trying to defeat the church while it's in its infancy, right? So <clears throat> in, in talking about being fallen from grace does not mean you've lost your salvation. It means you've stepped off and you've got distracted by these little, little shiny things over here. And you've stepped away from your faith. 
You've broken your fellowship with God. Okay? Because your, your, whole, your whole existence and your whole, your whole everything is about salvation through Jesus Christ not through anything else. And this is true of, of the biblical, this is the biblical definition of legalism, right? And that's seeking to be saved by the obedience to the Old Testament law. You know, you got to burn a bunch of pigeons and goats and whatever, and you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to eat the right foods, you can't eat this, you can't eat that, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that, you got to be circumcised, all those things, right? What you're doing is you're adding works to faith, is exactly what they're trying to do. And they're trying to do that as a requirement to salvation. And we see religions that do that today. You know, and you can't do that. Okay, so let's go to, we're still in Galatians chapter 5. But let's look at verse 16. The Bible says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I'm going to read you another verse over in Romans. You just keep that one in your mind right there. Romans 6.12 is what I want to read to you. Romans 6.12 says, says I'm not on the right page. Romans 6.12 says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. That's walking in the flesh right there is what that verse is talking about. But let's look at Galatians 5.25. Same chapter. Look at this one too. It says, if you live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Okay. If you live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So instead of trying to fight against the Old Testament law, you know, Paul didn't come up against them and say, well, let me tell you, your circumcision is wrong. No, because for so many years, that was the law, right? He didn't try to fight against the law. He, what did he tell the Christians to do? Because if he would have done that, it would have been, he would have been off on a rabbit trail fighting that battle. And then it would have been another battle and another little battle and another little battle. No, what did he tell the Christians to do? He said, walk in the spirit. That's all you got to do. Walk in the spirit and all these things they're trying to get you to, to be distracted by will be nothing. And that's what we should do in our lives. We walk in the Spirit and all the little distractions around us mean nothing, right? The Spirit, the spirit enters us at the time of salvation, right? So, so if the Spirit enters you at the time of salvation, then what do you have to do? You submit to that Spirit and you follow that Spirit your entire life. That's walking in the Spirit, okay? You cannot let yourself continue to be distracted by the flesh. We're talking about physical versus spiritual still, right? <clears throat> so live, you, you should live, a Christian should live as the spirit is in you. Okay? And we talked about that last week, about evidence, right? Evidence. Let's look at Romans 8, 9. Romans 8, 9. And this all started off months, several months ago. We started talking about just following God, right? Being obedient to God. Romans 8, 9, the Bible says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Huge verse, right? Well, God's Holy Spirit 
is the one who indwells Christians, right? It dwells the Christian. He comes inside of us, right? And he will give us that divine energy that, that helps us take every step in our lives with our eyes on Christ. Okay? And, and he, this Holy Spirit is what gives us character to our walk if you're led by him. If you have the Holy Spirit, your walk will be evidence to others that he's in you. Okay? It's very evident. People can say, oh, you, you, you can't tell if that person's saved or not. And you, it's true. You don't know who's saved and who's not. But I guarantee you evidence will show me where your heart is and who's leading you. You know? <clears throat> uh, and, you know, it's just like I said, in, in law enforcement, we use evidence, evidence, evidence. Right? So I could have a guy that has a three-piece suit on, looking good, walking, walking through a crowd, and he looks great. Everybody say, man, that guy's got it going on. Yeah, but he's a serial killer. How do you know? Well, we found all the bodies in his car. That's evidence, right? That's evidence. The same thing in your life, right? And to walk in the Spirit is to walk with a connection with that Spirit. So what Spirit are you walking with? Okay, what are you connected to? Right. Are you connected to the Holy Spirit or are you connected to this other spirit? And if you're connected to the other spirit, the Bible says you'll walk in flesh. Right. It'll be very evident. Right. And, and that's talking about being walking. A Christian should walk with their life energized with the Holy Spirit. OK. If you do not have the Holy Spirit inside of you, the Bible said right there, it says you have another spirit inside of you. That means you're not saved. <clears throat> Okay, so that may be something you want to look at. Check your life. So let's look at Romans 8, 4. <clears throat> Did I read Romans 8, 9? Yeah. Whew, I'm way off. Y'all are messing me up. Romans 8, 4. <clears throat> the Bible says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who's that? Christians. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And this is, again, the New Testament's contrasting walking in the spirit with walking after or according to what? The flesh. And we've been talking about that. Physical, spiritual, physical, spiritual. OK, Galatians 516. <clears throat> Galatians 516. The Bible says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not. You understand that? Shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay. And that word shall is very important and it's in our law books. Okay. And as a law enforcement officer, you know, we have laws that say, if somebody does this, you shall arrest. It doesn't give us leeway. Okay. Like if a traffic stop, you know, if somebody runs a red light, you may write them a ticket. You know, there are other places where it says you may do this, you may do that. But most of our law is shall. And our law got that word from God. And that means you will. You will do this, right? So it says, if you are walking in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Okay. The New Testament right here is telling us that that. Walking in the spirit is completely opposite of walking in the flesh, right? And to walk in or after or according to the flesh, it, it depends on, we're trying to depend on our own powers, right? Of living instead of being obedient to God and living with his power. And that's where we fail. 
If we're trying to do it on our way, we're going to fail. Okay? If we allow the Spirit to lead us, which means we need to be in, in subjection to the Holy Spirit, then He will lead us, right? And this flesh we're talking about refers to the, the whole of human nature, right? We're born in sin. We have a sinful nature. <clears throat> and, but it's all under the power of sin. If you're walking in the flesh, you're giving up to the sin. You're being submissive to sin. Okay? If you're walking in the Spirit, you're being submissive to the Spirit. <clears throat> In our flesh, our flesh, there's no good. Remember? No one's good. No, not one. In our flesh, there's nothing good. In the mind of our flesh, I guarantee you, the mind that's in your flesh will always be against God. Okay? So the only hope you have is to be led by the Spirit. So Galatians 5, still in chapter 5, let's read 19 through 21. So let's jump down a little bit. And we're talking about the works of the, the flesh, right? Now, the works of the flesh are manifest. And manifest, what does that mean? That means the works of the flesh are evident. We're talking about evidence again, right? So if you are walking according to flesh, these will be evidence. These will be very visible in your life. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like. Of these I tell you before, as I have told you in the time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So what are we talking about? To walk in these, to walk in these things implies that you are in an unsaved condition. And what do we mean walk in them? That means that your daily life is this. This is what you are every day. Okay? Every single day. And it says you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, you, the only way you can inherit the kingdom of God is you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're saved. Okay, so let's look at these. So we, we know what um, adultery is. Okay, so if you're uh, in adultery all the time, you're not saved. We know what fornication is, right? Sex outside of marriage, right? Somebody that's not your wife, somebody that's not your husband, right? Uncleanliness. Does that mean you, you need to go take a bath? No, uncleanliness means sexual impurity. This is your mind. Where's your mind stuck every day? What are you looking at? What are you thinking about? What do you desire to look at and think about? Okay? This brings in the whole realm of pornography. Okay? Uncleanliness. Lasciviousness. What does that mean? Does that mean I have too much? Yeah, but it, is, it does. But it means sexual excess. Sexual excess is everything you think about and do about and, and want to do physically and mentally and spiritually all about you just sexual? Yeah, it's excess, sex, right? Sexuality. Uh, idolatry, okay? And we were, me and Pastor were talking about this today. There's only really two big things man does. We're either idolatry or we're sexual sin. And they're so twined together, right? So idolatry, that means affection for a person or a thing. Think about this. Attraction or affection for a person or a thing more than affection for God. Do you put things before God? Do you put your spouse before God? Do you put your children before God? You know, do you have a place you're going to go work on today instead of being in church? 
Do you have something you're going to do that is more important to you than being in church? Like I got this great vacation planned and I'm going to the mountains in Colorado and man, I'd love to go there. But if I'm gone for a week, that means I miss Wednesday night service. Well, I can't, obviously can't drive back. So if I'm going to be in Colorado, what should I do? I should really strive to find a church to go to. Okay, so Wednesday night I won't be on the trail looking at the glacier lakes. I'll be in a church somewhere. Okay, and if I'm not, if there's just absolutely no option for that, then you should be on Sermon Audio listening to your own church. Do something, but do not miss that time with God, right? It's exactly what we're talking about. Let's keep going. So witchcraft, witchcraft. You think that's people dressing up like witches and, and doing spells? Nope. Do you mess with tarot cards? Do you go to palm readers? We all know that. What about if you read the horoscope? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of little deepness into that witchcraft. You can really, we could really break off into that. Um, what did we just talk about this morning? Hallow what? Halloween is nothing but witchcraft and evil. If you participate, you're participating in witchcraft. Variance. Variance, what does that mean? That means you're one of those people that disagrees with everybody. You are never happy. You're always unsettled, okay? Because what spirit is inside you? It's not the Holy Spirit because he brings peace, right? So emulations, what's that? Jealousy. Are you a jealous person? Are you jealous, 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 jealous all the time? What spirit do you have? Strife. That means you're angry and you're always in conflict. You're always just against the grain no matter what, right? Nothing makes you happy. Seditions. That means you're one of those people that keeps trouble brewing. There again goes along with that never being happy. You always got to stir the pot, right? Heresies. That's being at odds with others. You're never one that lives peaceably with another man or another person. You're always wanting to stir it up, right? Revelings. That just means you're carousing around and your life is based on partying. That's all you're doing. Okay? That is the... That's the, 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 that's not the fruit of the spirit. That's the works of the flesh right there. Right. And it says you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay. So let's look at Romans 8, 8. Romans 8, 8. And I hope this, I hope this kind of brings some clarity to the difference between the, the spirit, the Holy Spirit that should be in you and the flesh that you're fighting against. Right. Romans 8, 8. It says, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. That's scary. If you're in the flesh, you cannot please God. If you're not pleasing God, you're in a bad, bad place, right? So to walk in or after according to the flesh displays someone who is hostile towards God. You are an enemy of God if you're walking in the flesh. And this means you're practicing this kind of lifestyle is, is, is in an indication that you are not under the control of the Holy Spirit. If you're not under the control of the Holy Spirit, you're probably not saved. Okay? But genuine Christians, now this is a scary part, genuine Christians, people that are saved, they can temporarily live in the flesh as well. We all those bad things we just said, a Christian can do this and step over there and play in those bad things. 
Okay? Now they've broken their, they're broken their fellowship with God. They're completely out of his will. They're sinning against him. They're sinning against everybody around them. And they're sinning against their church. And the only way they can get right is to go to God and make it right. Okay? But yes, they can drift over there. They don't lose their salvation, sorry to say. They don't lose their salvation, but they break that fellowship with God. Okay? Because they are walking in the flesh at that moment. And you think about it. We're born sinful. Our nature is sin, right? We're born in flesh. We live in flesh. This whole world is nothing but flesh. You can turn the TV on and see that. You can turn the radio on. You can pick up a magazine. The flesh is everywhere, and it's waiting there to entice you to do what? To do exactly what we're talking about, to step away from God. Yeah. Because what does Satan want you to do? He wants you to break that fellowship. He wants you to quit going to church. Right. He wants you to really quit witnessing. He doesn't want you to tell, anything about, tell anybody about Jesus Christ, does he? Right. So if he can get you flipped over in the flesh, he wins. It's exactly what he's trying to do. And think about it. The flesh will destroy a person. It'll destroy a home. It'll destroy a family. It'll destroy a church. It could destroy a business. It can destroy lives. Okay? So, Galatians 5.18. If anybody's keeping track of time, I don't care. Mama. I know you are. Galatians 5.18. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. This is what we're talking about. You don't need the Old Testament law, right? Because you are led by the Spirit. You are submitting your lives every single day to the Holy Spirit. You don't need to be circumcised. You don't need to do all that, right? And this is, this, this right here we're talking about is living this way implies that you, you retreat from the Old Testament law. You know the Old Testament law and, you know, we know the Ten Commandments. We're not going to go murder and kill and steal and all that stuff. We know that, but we're not bound to it. Christ fulfilled that law. You're walking in the Spirit. He gave you the Holy Spirit inside of you. That's what you're walking with now. You're walking in submission to the spirit that's inside of you. And let's look at Galatians 3.3. 3. Galatians 3.3. 3, the Bible says, Are ye so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? And this is kind of sarcasm right here, right? Because it's talking about if you're living in a way that implies a sinful self-reliance and the dependence on your own will for making your, making your spiritual progress, you're going to fail. You cannot do this without the Holy Spirit. You cannot succeed without the Holy Spirit. You cannot please God without the Holy Spirit. Okay? We can't save ourselves. That's why Christ came and died for us. And that's what he's talking about. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of sarcastic. Sarcastic. He said, but you know, you know, May, are you made perfect by the flesh? No. You're made sinful by the flesh. You're made perfect by the spirit, right? So let's look at Proverbs 14:12. Proverbs 14:12. If you want some proof of this, you think you can still do it on your own? Proverbs 14:12. What does the Bible tell us? It tells us that there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Wow. 
So the Spirit's way, if you follow the Spirit, you're going to find peace, you're going to find happiness, and you're going to find life, right? If you follow your own heart, your own little evil heart, you're going to find trouble, you're going to find destruction, and eventually death. Look at what God said. He said that a man and a woman are supposed to be drawn together by God. He said they're supposed to both be virgins when they get married. So they will only have sexual intercourse with that other person their whole life. Right there, you've just wiped out 90% of our problems in earth, right? Because what does the world do? Okay? And they're going to be with that one person until they die. Okay? So there's no chance of getting a sexually transmitted disease, is it? There's no chance of them messing up and you know, being around with somebody else that they're not married to and that other married person coming and hurting them. Look at the world. Look at how much trouble there is just from, you know, having sex with just anybody you can and having multiple sexual partners. And then finally, one day when you're old and tired and you're worn out, then, then you find a marriage. That's not going to work. Right. It's going to be a battle then. OK, that that flesh leads to death. And living this way means that you are under dominion of sin. You're in the dominion of lust of the flesh. And that dominion, that, that submission that you're given to the lust of the flesh will lead you, till, or lead you to death and not a happy death, a miserable death. Okay? So let's look at Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10 in verses 26 and 27. Hebrews chapter 10, 26 and 27. The Bible says, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking, but a certain fearful looking for the judgment and the fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Okay? So if we are willfully sinning against God, you know, you get saved, you accept him as your savior, and then you step off one day and you're just, just deep into your sin. You're going you're gonna to make your life go much more hard. And it's gonna, he's going to take his hand off you and you may have a really quick death. He doesn't promise you any more, any more after that, right? That's what I'm talking about. If you're living in the spirit and you're following Christ, you're following that Holy Spirit, you're going to have peace. You're not, it's not like you're going to have no trouble. But you know what? The trouble's not going to be so bad because the Holy Spirit's there with you. Right. And we've already talked about that. He's already there. He's already taking care of the problem before you get to the problem, right? So we're talking about living in this way uh, to, to be habitually unrepentant. It undermines your own profession of faith, right? And it ultimately, what does it do? It demonstrates that maybe you weren't even saved. You know? Because if you rebel against God... If you sin against God, even before you sin, it's already hitting you. The hammer's already hammering on you if you're saved. Okay? And, and Christians may, may produce, you may produce any or all of the works of the flesh at some time during your life, right? But you don't practice them habitually. There's a big difference. You don't go out there and every day live in that sin. Okay? You might get in that sin and you'll break your fellowship with God. And you have to get that back. But you can't live there habitually. Okay? You just can't. There's no way. The Holy Spirit cannot be in you. 
Okay. And every time you yield to this temptation or you live, live sinfully, you're, you affect your walk, right? Because you're now walking with what? You're walking in the flesh now. You're not walking in the spirit anymore. And for that instant, as soon as you step off that path, you're walking in the flesh. You're against God. You've sinned against him and you're going to start it, man, it's like stepping off that smooth path when you're walking barefoot and now you're in the rocks and the thorns. It's going to hurt. And it's going to hurt till you decide to get back on the path. Okay? And just this is a quote I found, and it was, it's kind of goes along with this. So the quote says, Our greatest danger in religion, the, the cause of our feebleness and failure, is our having confidence in the flesh. It's wisdom and it's work. And that's so true, right? To be pleasing to God, this flesh with its self-will and self-effort must entirely be dispossessed to make way for the will, willing and the working of the Spirit of God. And that is so true. You have to be submissive to the Holy Spirit in your life. You have to follow that spirit. So you have to do what? You have to walk in the spirit. And if you're walking in the spirit, what was the verse we read at the very beginning? You won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. But that means that you have to let that spirit guide you every single moment of every single day the rest of your life. The minute you take and you're not letting the spirit guide you and you say, oh, I got this. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to pick the wrong way, right? So if, if, if you think about it, if, if it was me and God and we were a bomb team and we went to this bomb and there's a red wire and a blue wire. And if I'm following the spirit and God says, pull the blue wire. We'd live, right? But if you're following your own thing and you don't take God's advice and he's like, don't pull the red wire. And you pull the red wire, what's going to happen? Boom. Exact same thing. Follow the Holy Spirit. Let him guide you every single day. And the more you follow him, the easier it will be. The more you read your Bible, the more you pray, the more you go to church, the more you have personal time with Christ, the easier it gets. The farther you step off into those fields, that thorns, the harder it is to get back to that path. So I ask you guys, please, if you're saved, Follow the Holy Spirit. Let him be your guide. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today, Lord, just once again to thank you for this moment to open your word. And God, I ask you that I hope that it was, this was clear and plain and made sense, Lord, that what your word requires of us as Christians, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, if we're off the path, Lord, that you help us make that decision to get back on and get right with you, Lord. And just... Lord, that every decision we make and every word that comes out of our mouth and every, every, every thing that comes into our minds and our hearts and everything we do and everywhere we go and every step we take, we let the, the Holy Spirit lead us, Lord, not us, not our flesh, Lord. And I ask you just to help us walk, Lord, in this walk in the Spirit, Lord. And if we don't know you, Lord, if anybody in this room doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, I ask you, let them make this decision today, Lord. Let it just come into their hearts and their minds. They're tired of fighting against you, Lord. They're tired of living in that, that spirit that's not the Holy Spirit, Lord. Just, Lord, just be with us today, Lord. Let, let us hear this preaching that, that, that you've prepared for us, Lord. And Lord, just draw us together as, as to this day, Lord, as, as we draw closer to you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.